0: aboard the Battleship Retention. I am not Tyler Smith.
1: I am David Bax. Who are you
0: again? Um, I think I'm Julie Ceznovich, but I can double check and get back to you.
1: Okay. Well, while you do that, I want to tell the listeners in case somehow they don't know or ha- haven't been listening recently why is not on the show. Tyler is uh, going through some very serious medical issues. There have been minor improvements. Don't look to me to describe all of them you can find all the information you want at caringbridge.org slash visit slash tyler and jennifer smith and uh that's where you can find the updates about what's going on it's um uh it's it's promising but it's moving the progress is happening very slowly and of course what that means in um you know, our society functioning the way it does is that medical bills are piling up. And you will also find at that, that caring bridge a link to a GoFundMe to help Tyler and his wonderful family and his and his and his two kids um to help them uh, uh cover these medical costs. That's all there at caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. So that's what you can do. That's where you can find it out. That's where you can help if you can. I don't want anyone going broke. If you can help, that would be great. Okay. Have you confirmed that your name is Julie Ceznavich?
0: Yes, confirmed. And I um, I did bring someone along, in fact, who I, well, I think first, is as he is.
1: Well, before we get to that, I want to tell okay. you about TweakedAudio.com. TweakedAudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Still cannot confirm if he's using them in, in the ICU, but uh, I know he uses them. Used them before uh, he was going through what he was going through. Um, today, I was, yeah, often I um, uh, try to highlight new albums that I was listening to, or sometimes I try to highlight the music of someone who passed away recently, which is uh, very sad. But also, uh, I have mentioned before that I am a regular reader of Stereo, com, and they have a column of anniversaries where they write about albums that are turning 10 or 20 years old. And uh, this past week, um, Iron and Wines. Uh, debut album, The Creek Drank the Cradle, turned 20. So I re-listened to that again. Brought me all the way back to my uh, uh, hipster uh, college years, the years when I was first growing a beard. And I uh, have, you know, uh, Iron and Wine, uh, Sam Beam from Iron Wine to to among other, many other hipster influences to thank for growing a beard. But uh, if you know the music of Iron and Wine, you know that he sings in a very soft, hushed tone so those tweaked audio.com earbuds came in very handy for listening to the greek drink cradle sounded great on those earbuds you can find them at a low low price at tweaked audio.com but if you use the offer code pretension you get one third off that already low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweaked and use the offer code pretension Julie, we're back. We're back. Who is who is your guest?
0: Um, my guest is um my partner of fourteen years and the battleship retention editor at large, it's Scott Nye.
2: I do want some people to go broke, but I'll select who <laughs> and they should just give their life savings to Tyler. There I love go. the
0: whole this format because it means that you're just sitting there, like generating a pithy comeback for like five straight minutes. I just That's love great. this.
2: The hope is that you guys don't move too far afield before I can get it in.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Uh, well, um, this has been a, as I was, as I was saying, this has been a, um, a tough time, obviously uh, at battleship retention and, uh, Scott and Julie have helped uh, immensely, um, particularly in the field of coming up with topic ideas, because my brain is fried and I have not been able to do that. And uh, you guys came up with a great one that I'm actually very excited about. This one was all Julie, Uh, I'll give the, the credit.
0: Well, thank you. Um, so by, by way of explanation, I was, you know, thinking about the three of us here. So I grew up in Massachusetts, Scott grew up in Oregon and David obviously grew up in Missouri. So these places are not Hollywood, but they have all had their share of kind of cinematic attention. They've all had their moment in the, in the pictures. Um, so I kind of, I wanted to explore movies that shot in these places are set in these places. And just kind of, like, the cinematic picture that's formed from these places, Um, I would love to ask by way of introduction, um, I assume, you know, everyone probably did a little research on this topic, and was what kind of, like, picture emerged? Like, is there any common themes or motifs or, like, what makes... An Oregon movie or what makes a Missouri movie and if that question is too vague I can I can explain for myself so Massachusetts movies are a very weird hodgepodge because there's three main categories which are very different um one is gritty crime drama um one is set at a prestigious college and another one is like historical or true story um there's obviously a bunch of miscellaneous ones as well but I did notice that as like a running thread so I'm curious if you guys noticed any themes in that way
2: <laughs> yeah, mine definitely reinforced uh, a strong image I have of the Northwest, which is like a little counterculture surrounded by nature, but very working class. And most of the films that I ended up finding, at least the ones I'd seen, kind of like honed in around a general portrait of that kind of environment.
1: Um, I I would say that the first off, I focused more on St. Louis than Missouri as a whole, or the St. Louis area, if I'm focusing, on, I should have thought to focus on Missouri as a whole because there has been kind of a little cottage industry of um, mid-Missouri horror. The okay. most, um, the highest-profile member of which is Your Next. Your Next is a, okay. uh, a a Missouri movie shot, I think, outside of Columbia, Missouri, um, and and uh, is a great representation. But I know that. I've known people who have gone, uh, uh, I've I've had people that I know from LA who make horror movies tell me like, Oh, you're from Missouri. Columbia is a cool little town that people don't know about because they go there (laughs) to make horror movies. But Columbia is a, is a cool little town. It's a college town. Um, it's, it's not on the par of like Austin or whatever, but it's Missouri's Austin is, is Columbia. Um, well, it says on the way in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> you're really um, selling it. yeah.
1: <laughs> but as far as what, uh, yeah, because if I were talking about Missouri as a whole, I also could have talked about winter's bone. I guess I just did Talked about winter's bone, the Ozarks, um, the, the TV show Ozark. We're not doing TV. And also I haven't watched Ozark. Um, but I would say most times that St. Louis is used. It is not flattering. Okay, it is used sure. either to be like a boring place or, in at least one major example, um an awful place like an awful like <laughs> place that has been well I'll just say it right now. So there's that,
0: boring and awful, got it.
1: Well there are there are very few movies that have shot St. Louis for something else. Okay. Okay. One of them is John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Oh okay. he used a lot of actual early 80s St. Louis to play like post-apocalyptic manhattan so that's oh. the kind of feel of definitely like and i think i mean downtown st louis now like a lot of america's downtowns uh has been revitalized be largely gentrified um so it doesn't really look like that anymore there's a lot of you know lofts and gastropubs and sure. businesses and you know the those kind of places where people live and work in the same uh area like the grove or whatever here under the americana um there's there's that sort of thing but in yeah in the uh in the 80s and and 90s especially um st louis was seen as a uh a broken desolate violent crime-ridden place you know one of the up until superstore not i know we're not talking about tv but up until superstore the the biggest like sitcom representation we had of st louis was does anyone remember the short-lived john Larroquette show where no, uh, that was no, the name of it? The short-lived John Larroquette show? No, it was called the John Larroquette <laughs> show. Okay. And John Larroquette played the night manager of the downtown St. Louis Greyhound station. Okay. And the, okay. The the point like was that it was show. Like, <laughs> it, the point was that the, the idea was that it was like a dark show where they were like, it was a sitcom, but also there were like, you know, drug dealers and gangs and stuff. Shocked this didn't last. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that, that's just the funny thing. I say the first season was like that because it was a ratings disaster but it got renewed on the promise of making it a less dark show and so literally this the second season he's the daytime manager and there's like a (laughs) coffee shop and it's like a fun bus station all of a sudden and then a promotion great save um, the first season is at least i don't know it's been so long since i've watched it obviously i was a kid i don't know if it was actually good or not but it definitely seemed like it was trying something trying to be this kind of like darker sitcom anyway so that's what saint louis was for i think a Mm -hmm. uh, a a long time the other the other main movie that has shot saint louis for other places but also including saint louis um is um jason reyman's up in the air up in the air Mm -hmm. most of like you see they're flying around to, you know, like Omaha and Columbus and all these sort of like mid-tier American cities. Most of that was actually shot in St. Louis, including the scenes that take place in St. Louis. And there's a whole part where George Clooney has a monologue about the Lambert Airport and the architect who designed it and stuff like that. And that's great. Great St. Louis representation there. But it's also very funny. That they were like, yeah, St. Louis can play every place where it looks like, you know, people are droning their lives away in cubicles, <laughs> and just waiting to get uh, to get laid off um so yeah that's kind of we'll get into more but that's that's the st louis is rarely used as a positive place unless it's The past, which in many cases isn't actually even shot in St. Louis. Yeah, sure. This
0: this is very educational to me because Scott and I have lived in each other's home states. Like we both like because we went to college in Boston, then we lived in Portland, so we're fairly versed in that. But between us, we have spent a cumulative forty eight hours in St. Louis.
2: Not cumulative though; it's entirely me.
0: I know, but, but that's oh, still right. it's still between <laughs> us. I ad, I admit I'm contributing nothing, but I'm saying we we look to you as a as a scholar on this topic.
2: Well, it is funny that you've essentially confirmed my picture of St. Louis because before we started recording, Julie asked me, "So, what was St. Louis like that forty eight hours you were there?" I was like, "Pretty boring." <laughs> uh, so already, I mean, uh, there's
1: like to to come to St. Louis's defense, there is a lot of history there, and it's actually a really interesting city because um, at the turn. There was a time that St. Louis was what I think Chicago has become now, like the second city to New- to mm. New York. When there was a time when, d- during, you know, in the eighteen hundreds and the time of westward expansion, you know, St. Louis was like every explorer or every frontiersman or every pioneer, every you know, uh, whatever you want to call them, however you want to uh, characterize them. That was everyone's last stop before they set out. So it was a major hub. Um, and there's a reason why, you know, um, in, uh, at the in the early, in the first decade of the 1900s, the St. Louis was host to the Olympics and also host to the world's fair. It was a big deal. And then it kind of like petered out And Chicago became, uh, uh the big city, which is why there is to many, one of the many reasons there is to this day, kind of like a one-way rivalry where St. Louisans sure. are like uh mad in chicago but then also a lot of them like myself go and live there in chicago and Chicagoans largely don't really think of saint louisans uh, that often uh kind of a you know um don draper uh, uh what, oh, was name? Name? Yeah, what was oh, his name
0: yeah oh in it?
1: ginsburg ginsburg yeah ginsburg situation yeah um but yeah so i don't know what you did when you were in saint louis but there is like forest park which is like where a lot of the um, buildings from the world's fair um, and, and the grounds in the world's fair still exist. It's a beautiful park. One of the, I would say one of the most beautiful uh, city parks I know. And there's also a forest park in Portland, right? It's there also is. called that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been to that one. Uh, also very beautiful. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so St. Louis is is an interesting place. If you know what to do, it also is a fascinating food place. Um, it, it has, uh, you know how like, a lot of cities in America have like that one weird thing. St. Louis has has like a half dozen of them, and okay. they're, they're all super. I would like, say t- a
0: lot of these, a lot of cities have many weird things.
1: Yeah, I mainly mean, mean, like food wise.
0: Oh, food things. Okay, sure.
1: Yeah, like there's that one. Like, oh, yeah, like um, Rochester, New York, is where you go for garbage plates or whatever. Yeah. Like. Um St. Louis has like toasted ravioli, but then it also has like the St. Paul sandwich. Then it also has gooey butter cake. And there's like more that I um am not thinking of or, right now. It's um uh yeah, it's a strange strange place. Um but uh, I've gone on way too long about St. Louis uh, without talking about this episode about movies.
0: sponsored by the St. Louis Tourism Board. I
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've gone too long without talking about movies. Let's talk about movies. Sure.
0: Let's um,
1: so how do you want to organize this episode? Well, Was I mean, around or are we focusing on one city at a time?
0: I mean, I I figure we could trade off because I broke mine down by the aforementioned categories I listed. I don't know if anyone else has that many categories. I kind of got like two to three. OK, so that's what I have to. Um, OK, I Let's see what you got. I can start off by talking about what I would loosely describe as the mid-aughts Boston crime movie explosion. <laughs> Okay. Um, so I would say this is probably the most well-known genre out of Massachusetts is the gritty crime movie. Um, I think one of the first big ones was the Friends of Eddie Coyle, which, if you haven't seen it, is an amazing movie from the 70s starring Robert Mitchum. Um, It's based on a novel. Um, It's, you know, it's it's really good. It's just a really good like noir crime movie. Um, Then about actually
1: just you weren't on the show, but I mentioned Friends of Eddie Coyle just last week. Oh, really? With 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 Scott, because I was talking about how, like, low rent the NHL used to be. And, like, <laughs> it's funny that the Boston Bruins are, like – Like, I don't think – I I feel like Boston Bruins' ownership today would read a script like the Friends of Eddie Coyle and be like, I don't know if we want to be associated <laughs> with, like, this is the place where the guy takes his buddy to get him drunk before he sends him off to get shot in the head. <laughs> like, but, the, like, there's full-on just, like – boston bruins action uh there now i feel like major sports teams are so much more protective and kind of disney um
0: so that's that's a great picture and then about 25 years later you get boondock saints um Mm. and then somehow something's in the water that like three or four years later suddenly there's a huge pile up of these all at once um, tax credits in the water, if I remember correctly. Well, there are tax credits in the water. So um, Mystic River was an early one. Um, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, The Fighter, Shutter Island, Edge of Darkness, What Doesn't Kill You. Um, and I will say, Scott and I saw The Departed together in maybe the most Boston experience of our lives, if you want to describe that situation.
2: Oh, I mean, it was, so it was a preview screening. So it was one that we got, like, passes... It was maybe from the video store you worked at at the time. Or like a
0: newspaper or, or something. Or a newspaper
2: or something. One of those. Um, but it was in the largest auditorium at the Boston Common Theater, which I think seated like 650 people or so something. So like
0: right downtown.
2: Yeah. It was a gigantic screen. And it was rented out by the studio, not only for, to like hype up uh, preview audiences, but it also had press there. It had either members of the Dropkick Murphys or just they reserved seats for <laughs> Friends of the Dropkick Murphys, because there were signs on them. I think the Wahlbergs had some seats, too. So it was like hardcore Boston shit, but not like high enough celebrities to actually get like Mark Wahlberg there. It was just like a Friends of Mark Wahlberg screening. Right. Um, and then full of Boston locals who screamed at the screen every time something was vaguely inaccurate geographically mm-hmm. or in probably my favorite example, just the degree of cell phone reception inside the Boston T.
0: Yeah. So I, I think there's a scene where like uh, DiCaprio, like takes a call while he's on the subway and the whole audience in unison is like he wouldn't get reception.
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm like, Am I? this is the most Boston moment of my life. We will never top this. Yeah, because
1: there's
2: kind of two things going on there because they skip a stop on the T when he's right? going downtown. Mm-hmm. And so we automatically clock that. And then he brings out his phone and it's like, what are, what are we doing here?
0: The people are livid. Um, so yeah, (laughs) so there's, these are all happening at the same time. Um,
2: I think Mystic River really kicked it off because it was so successful and I got all his Oscar nominations and it was a Dennis Lehane adaptation. So from there you get Gone Baby Gone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know
0: The Departed isn't a Lehane adaptation, but it's kind of in the same vein. For sure. And like, Mm -hmm. I have very mixed feelings about this genre because like on the one hand, I love the representation. I love seeing the city on screen, but it does, it paints a very narrow picture of a certain Type of like it makes I don't know if people outside of Boston saw all these movies and are like, what the hell's going on over there? Like, is this just like a cesspool? Um, well, I think that's one thing that Departed does
2: well is it shows sure. like you have uh, Vera Farmiga's character who's just kind of like a working professional, respectable person. Um, so it shows that there are other elements than just like people with very thick accents yelling at each other and True. punching each other in the face.
0: Um, also black mass coming on kind of the tail end of that, which I did not care for, but I will say no. as a, as a, um, viewing alternative, might I suggest the Boston globe video where they go around interviewing locals after whitey Bulger has died. Sure. <laughs> it is a masterpiece of Boston cinema. Um, uh, Seth Meyers has a great. Video he did on his show called Boston Accent the Movie that is a parody of all of these. And it, it's very fixated on the accent and it has all these archetypes like the British guy trying his best, um, <laughs> the guy who gives up halfway through. Which Black Mass is all of these. Oh, it, Black Mass is absolutely all of these. And then he's like excessive listing of suburb names. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, where do you want to do the meetup? Taunton? What about Watertown? What about Worcester? And then he's like, "This scene goes on for twenty minutes." <laughs> um,
1: so that's. I remember I had a friend who said that yeah. *The Departed* was just two and a half hours of "I'm not a cop."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, in mentioning that, I do have to briefly discuss the Boston accent and how many people nobly struggle and fail. The thing about the Boston accent, it's insane. It sounds insane when you do it wrong, and it sounds insane when you do it right. Um, people can't win. You really cannot win. Like, unless you have like a Wahlberg or an Affleck in your movie, it's just a sea of actors just flailing. It's like my heart goes out to them. It it really does. Um, I will say that of the brave souls who have attempted the non-native brave souls, I would say Dakota Johnson, Johnston did okay in Black Mass.
2: I don't remember. I forgot she was in that movie.
0: I I literally was watching YouTube clips today to like support this thesis, because what a lot of people don't get is that they think it's like pack the cat, but it's like, the words are not elongated. It moves at a normal pace. So you have to be like casual about it. So Mm -hmm. she was good. I feel like Jeremy Renner did okay in the town. Yeah. And Melissa Leo did okay in the fighter. Sure. I would say of my brief journey through YouTube today, those are the people who acquitted themselves the best, but like Leo DiCaprio, oh baby no, big no. Yeah. It just it's so hard. It sounds insane. It does.
1: I've said this before, like there was a time when no one cared about this sort of thing, like hyper specific accents. Yeah. And I think Fargo kind of kicked off Mm -hmm. like let's try and be specific because like they weren't trying to get like you know sam and like uh and then the gang on cheers to talk like sure that. You, you know um but like i was thinking i never watched mayor of east town but getting like i know that one of oh, a big thing about mayor of Easttown was they had the specific like that part of pennsylvania accent was like a big part of it and it's just like, so strange that people didn't People didn't do that. There was like sort of
0: yeah. vaguely
1: East Coast and there was vaguely Southern. And yeah. now people are more specific and I kind of like it, but it also leads to the like- The shaming. The criticism of it as well. But I am looking forward to someday someone doing a, a real St. Louis movie and having, I want to okay. see big name actors. You know, <laughs> I, I, I want to see uh, Benedict Cumberbatch not only do an American accent, but talk about uh, taking Highway Farty Far.
0: Um. (laughs) yeah yeah. i mean again my heart goes out to them i'm not here to shame i am here to like provide empathy and say like i'm sorry that you're in this movie and this movie is asking this of you um because even in my own family i have relatives with the boston accent and even listening to them i'm like this is weird like you've heard my family some of the like some words sound british sometimes they'll speak an entire paragraph where the accent is undetectable like it is it is bonkers. Um, so yeah, my heart goes out to them. But yeah.
1: Um so. all right. So I was trying to put my list into groups, and I realized another thing that is very common to St. Louis movies, to the point where almost almost all of my movies actually fall into this.
0: So one group.
1: <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I was trying to put yeah. in groups and I realized, oh, this covers everything. Um, there are very few movies that take place in St. Louis from start to finish. St. Louis okay. is often a stop in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mentioned, sure. I mentioned up in uh, up in the air where St. Louis is just one of many places th- they go. Um, a movie that I have actually, uh, this is going to make me sound like a bad comedy geek, I guess, but I've actually never seen National Lampoon's Vacation from beginning to end.
0: Um, we forgive you. you no, not that I
1: have I either. Come to think of it. Yeah, but I know St. Louis is one of the stops and I know that the joke is again that it's a crime-ridden place. It's where their car gets like graffitied or whatever. Um but uh um there's there's so many like multiple road trip movies um that where people stop in St. Louis. The Brown Bunny, Vincent Gallo stops and like has a meal um in st louis on his cross-country motorcycle trip and then the the biggest one to this day the first movie that i think of when i think of st louis because for two reasons i think it was probably the first movie i saw where i was like that's st louis that's where i live and they shot there and also the scene they shot there is a very memorable scene especially for a boy who's not generally allowed to watch already r-rated movies but uh planes trains and automobiles Sure. Has a an extended scene at the aforementioned Lambert International Airport. And that's where um Steve Martin has his breakdown where he says, like the fucking car right. in the fucking parking lot, and then what's her name is like you're fucked. So that, that whole <laughs> scene the whole reason the movie even has an R-rating is because of that scene where they say fuck two dozen times, which was very exciting to me as a kid. And knowing <laughs> that it shot in St. In St. Louis. But again, that's another one where it's just a stop uh, on on a road trip. And there's a a couple more, but they they kind of fit into another category. So I'll put those off for later. Cool. Well, my first category is just
2: kind of general Oregon wilderness, um, which Oregon has a lot of and a lot of different uh, topographies. I think I'm using the right word here. I think so. There's like, you got rivers and mountains and snow Mm -hmm. and rain and densely forested areas and all kinds of different things that you can... Uh, squeeze out of Oregon uh, so much so that they shot not only the original Incredible Journey movie, but Homeward Bound, the Incredible Journey, the virtual remake of the 60s Disney movie. Now uh, with more animal talking. Now with more animal talking. <laughs> I've never seen the original The Incredible Journey, but that was the big thing I discovered in research is that they didn't seem to cast humans to voice the animals. So I don't know. 60s audiences were just easier to please, I guess. They didn't need Michael J. Fox in there kind of like talking them along.
1: Um, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've never seen the original either, but I, yeah, I saw the home, Homeward. I saw Homeward Bound a lot as a kid. Yeah, Homeward Bound had a profound effect on yeah. young Scott.
2: He, he <laughs> well, we cried, had, just thinking about it.
1: Um, um, like many Midwestern middle class families, we like. I was never on. a I was on an airplane until I was seventeen. If we went somewhere on vacation, we drove there, no matter yeah. where it was. And so we had a full size van that had a TV and VCR. Oh, that was always what I wanted growing up. Yeah. Yeah, so Homeward Bound and the Sandlot were big, heavy in rotation on, sure. on back's Family Road Trips. Just get the kids crying.
2: They'll, they won't <laughs> notice how long you're driving. Yeah. Um, in addition to those, though, I uh, found that the, the General shot a good amount in Oregon, uh, kind of like pulling train track stuff uh, in the densely forested area there. Um, FW Mount City Girl uh, shot some of its uh, wilderness stuff in wow. Oregon as did the excellent Western uh, Day of the Outlaw, shot in what is now a vacation resort area. Day of the Outlaw is a very desolate Western, like very much edge of civilization stuff. It's a great movie um, and portrays a vision of Bend, Oregon, that is uh, out of step with the current reality. It is um, more leisurely now. Um, Oh, Into the Wild, uh, the Sean Penn movie, shot some stuff in the Oregon wilderness. Uh, Leave No Trace shot closer to Portland, but kind of similar vibes and kind of gets to how much of uh, Oregon is either forested or forest adjacent, but it's most urban area still has a uh, sizable forest component.
0: And I will interject with leave not Trace, Do they show the, the tram to OHSU? I feel like. Yeah, they do. There there's a hospital that's at the top of a mountain and you have to take like a ski lift to get there, which is very weird.
2: If you have an emergency, you know, they'll yes. take you by ambulance and they have a helipad in fact.
0: Yes. Um, yeah.
2: but for the people who work there and maybe just going there for a routine appointment, yes, you do park at the bottom of a hill and then take a very adorable tram to the top. Um, let's see. Oh, well, the shining shot at, um, it's exterior stuff at the Mount hood lodge or Timberline lodge. Sorry. Um, and which is just outside of Portland about an hour or so. Um, let's see what else do I got on the forested side of things? Well, I guess kind of similar to leave no trace pig, of course, is kind of a big recent Portland movie, um, gets more urban as it goes along. But uh starts with kind of Nick Cage on the outskirts of Portland living in the woods and uh I don't know, shuffling for truffle. That would <laughs> digging for truffle. You don't shuffle. Yeah, though. I don't think you shuffle. You I shuffle mean that off sounds off more fun. You shuffle but, off yeah. to Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. That I guess that did clue me into thinking about I should at least mention that the Goonies shot a lot in the Oregon Coast, but I hate the Goonies, so we should move on.
0: We don't talk about the Goonies. Um I would also say I didn't I was curious about Portland movies too, you know, having lived there, I feel like I have some skin in the game. Um, didn't Wild shoot there or is it just set there? Um, I saw
2: that it had, but I couldn't remember anything too specific about it. Okay. Of course she like, she's hiking the whole what, Pacific coast trailer or yeah. whatever. So yeah, she ends up there, but I couldn't remember to sure. what degree.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I guess are are we just going in a circle? Yeah, category category is set at prestigious um, institutions of higher learning. Um, So this is a complete pivot from the, you know, horrible crime ridden slums of Southie to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is Massachusetts has a number of very famous colleges. Um, So probably. Actually one of the first commercial films to shoot on location Boston at all is a pretty good movie from 1950 called Mystery Street. Um it stars Ricardo Montalban and it's like a murder mystery that has a big forensics element like it was kind of um in that early wave of movies where like the audience doesn't know what forensics are so it maybe over explains by modern <laughs> standards but they did a lot of location shooting. And I think the, the expert they call in or whatever, like, works at Harvard. So that was, like, one of the first times they shot at Harvard. Um, you jump forward a little bit, you get Love Story, very famously shot on the Harvard campus. Apparently, they fucked up some trees while they were shooting. And Harvard oh. was so mad that you pretty much can't shoot there anymore. <laughs> oh. That's
2: why they shoot the social network there, because Harvard just won't let you do it. Yeah, it's so like, Harvard
1: um, still mad you Apparently, Abel Ferrara is to blame for the fact that you can't shoot in Catholic churches in New York City. Really? Because of Bad Lieutenant.
2: Well, Abel Ferrara will ruin just about anything for you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so then you, um, you know, jumping ahead, obviously, the social network. We know it shot a little in other parts of Boston, not on the Harvard campus, because we knew someone who was an extra in it. Um. yeah. And it was like just at a party scene or something. So they shot in the area and like at different like um, bars and just things around there. Um Goodwill Hunting disappointingly shot largely in Toronto. I was very sad to hear that. But I do wow. think the scene of them on the bench, I think, is in the Boston country. That is, yeah. So There's like a couple that are we, unmistakable. You know, we get our, our big moment there. Um, the movie 21, I never actually saw that, but that's set at Harvard. Um, they Harvard and MIT actually. Um, did did either of you see that movie? No, no. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's a um, Kevin Spacey, they,
1: like, g- gambling movie?
0: Yeah. 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 Apparently, they do go to an old Julian Scott College Haunt, which is the South Street Diner. That's apparently where they, like, lay out the master plan. Um
2: What a, what a place.
0: <laughs> it was the only 24-hour dining establishment in the whole city.
2: Let alone the only place you could go after about, I don't know, 9 p.m. <laughs> if you were under 21. Um That was always quite a struggle, but the food was terrible. And so it was always like, I guess we can go there. It exists. <laughs> and there'd always just be the worst people hanging around there. And yeah, it was just a bad scene. We
0: went there one time when you were flying home for Christmas. We went there at like 3 AM.
2: Where else could we go? We
0: couldn't. We couldn't. Um, you also have um, Carnal Knowledge, actually, shot at Amherst. Um, so then in the Western Mass contingent, you have the colleges out there. So you have Carnal Knowledge at Amherst. Um, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? shot on the Smith college campus also in Western mass. Apparently Mike Nichols later regretted it because in the play, it just says new England. So mm. there's some flexibility. And Mike Nichols was like, we got to do it. We got to do it. And then after the movie came out, he's like, I now realize we could have done this on a soundstage. <laughs> there was a little bit of regret around that. Um, Legally blonde set at Harvard. Didn't shoot there. They're still mad about the trees. Um,
2: didn't shoot in Massachusetts though.
0: Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mona Lisa Smile shot at Wellesley. It's set at Wellesley. It shot at Wellesley. Um, Great fall Boston movie. Yeah. In Googling that, it turns out there was drama. Apparently the stat, like the the institution felt very bait and switched by the movie. They were like, we saw a different draft and we feel like like people got mad and they thought it portrayed the movie and portrayed the college in a horrible light. I, I mean,
2: I like Mona Lisa's Smile a lot. It's about the most anodyne movie. You, like, to be offended by Mona Lisa's Smile, you'd really have to be trying. I mean, I
0: <laughs> listen, it, it seemed like a lot of feathers were ruffled. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and then also, more recently, Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, um, that movie about the, the guy who created um, Wonder Woman, uh, that was another Harvard one. Again, some shooting in Massachusetts, but you can't get near Harvard because they're still mad about the damn trees. They're not Uh, letting that go.
2: I know I'm jumping my turn here, but this kind of inspires me to do a subcategory of films that are just kind of incidentally shot in Portland that really like don't have anything to say about the city, but which are fun to note anyway. Um, The one that really means a great deal to me is Mr. Holland's opus because it's shot on the high school uh, that is directly adjacent to where my grandparents lived for about 50 years. And so they were shooting there while they lived there and like, well, it was kind of a drag because we were young and we couldn't go to the the high school has like a swimming pool and a park and stuff, and we couldn't really do that for a solid summer there because Richard Dreyfuss had to teach kids how to love music again. Um,
0: I like how this has just turned into like a vendetta against Richard Dreyfuss. Well, I it,
2: I also felt compelled to see the movie because it was like so exciting for that sure. the big production was there. But I was like eight when it came out, and it was like the most boring thing I'd ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Yeah. Except for like recognizing Grant High School, which was pretty cool. Sure uh the ashley judd tommy lee jones thriller double jeopardy shot a good deal in portland um i don't remember the movie too well except that it was like a key early scott uh thriller that i was like oh movies are pretty tight i saw one like 13 on a plane um the other thriller 90s thriller that i have to bring up is body of evidence shot a great deal in portland um I, I really, th- really says nothing about the city. I just like to bring up Body of Evidence because it's the movie in which Madonna is put on trial for uh, fucking a man to death. Um, <laughs> her body <laughs> is the evidence, you see. I didn't um, know that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Uh, it unfortunately has more courtroom scenes than you might care for with that premise. <laughs> and really like diving into this case that makes no sense and would never be brought to trial. But um, if you ever want to see the machinations of ridiculous la uh body of evidence will provide that plus then madonna fucks willem dafoe on top of a
1: car full of glass so it really has something for everybody
0: bring the family
1: um i was gonna bring up i know i I don't know why my mind keeps going to tv today i was gonna bring up a tv show for each of your cities and then i looked them up and realized they're both vancouver (laughs) yeah uh fringe fringe is a boston show um i mean it takes they they jet all around solving these uh crimes but their their main like headquarters and lab is in a basement at harvard but okay shot sure. uh shot in vancouver and then i was gonna ask scott if you remembered the very short-lived tom everett scott uh, uh troubled paramedic drama saved which was no. a, a, it was a portland show made a big deal about being in portland it was always very rainy um but uh apparently vancouver
2: there was some i was trying to remember you mentioning this oh yeah they shot a lot of grim in portland yep. oh okay i i think that was the show that i had some friends who did like theater in high school who they did like some guest spots on grim in like minor roles because it's like what acting job are you going to get in portland yeah Yeah.
0: i think also when we're looking at portland movies to go back a little bit to like body of evidence double jeopardy we looked and like in the 90s and early aughts there was just this huge string of made for tv movies and thrillers shot in portland yeah for some reason
2: 15 and pregnant switched at birth (laughs) like all the classic lifetime movies yeah secret. And they were not just set there, but shot there. You're yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I was kind of curious to like go back and watch them because the plot synopsis, they specifically mentioned like the Portland suburbs they're from. And I'm like, this is more key to the plot than I expected from switch to birth. Yeah.
1: Uh, my next category, um, can I, this was like 10 minutes ago, but you mentioned 21 gambling movie. Mm-hmm. One of the things that St. Louis is apparently known for is uh, riverboat gambling. Because okay. I could think of three examples. Um, uh, there's uh, the uh, the whole like finale of Maverick, the Mel Gibson Maverick, takes place at a poker tournament on a riverboat in St. Louis. They did not shoot it in St. Louis, and it does not look like St. Louis. They mm. shot. It's a western that they mostly shot in the Southwest, and it looks like the Southwest. It doesn't look. Yeah you know verdant uh or, or saint or Missouriish uh, at all but uh two more recent movies um which both also would qualify as kind of road trip movies um mississippi grind oh yeah um there's a oh, okay. yeah, um, yeah uh, um there's a whole scene where um they're on one of the river boats um gambling that's what you do on the river boats and they and Ryan Reynolds like steps outside to have a cigarette and there's all these shots of downtown St. Louis from from the river that are like really beautiful um shots that was a good um showcase i think for St. Louis a really good showcase even though i don't think the movie ever calls out that this is in St. Louis a more recent gambling movie the card counter um yeah. the um the very memorable scene where tiffany haddish takes oscar isaac to walk through the 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 lights the light show in in the garden yeah, i remember you mentioned yeah. yeah that is in in forest park in in st louis that's a real event called garden glow um that you could actually uh do and I, but i don't think i think part of the deal of that movie is they rarely mention what because the part of the deal is that I think that every place is supposed to feel the same. So I can't remember yeah. if they ever say it, St. Louis. Right. I feel like yeah, that would I have stuck know. out to me. Um, but that was, was shot in, in St. Louis. So, uh, yeah, the St. Louis is also a place, I mean, increasingly there are like gambling is becoming more and more, uh, available, uh, all over the country. And I'm not, uh, complaining about that. I'm not uh, some moral, <laughs> more moralist, <less>. but, um, <laughs> Uh, that was, I think, for a long time, one of the things that St. Louis, being on the Mississippi River, was known for was having sure. uh, uh, riverboat casinos.
0: Um, I'll I'll go. So, um, yeah. So then, my third, more formalized category is true story slash historical component. Um, Massachusetts is a very old state; it has a lot of history, um, and that comes through. Um, for example, the movie Glory was shot partially there and takes place partially there. Um, I looked up if there were any Revolutionary War movies shot there. Turns out there's just kind of no Revolutionary War movies except The Patriot, which is focused in the South, I believe. Um, they just don't make movies about that war. They're just not into I it. I don't know
1: why that is. kind of a boring war. It's
0: kind of a boring but it's war. I mean, I
1: don't know. We all well, agree per- on it. <laughs> True. In, 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 well, these, in these times of... Uh whatever
0: i mean part of the problem is like i think if you <laughs> got more into like <laughs> the espionage or the behind the scenes it could be interesting but the actual battle it's like back when they it was literally like appointment battling yeah like you show up you at a set time take
2: five minutes to load your you rifle take five
0: minutes to load a rifle it's like yeah. really hard yeah. to make that compelling
2: <laughs> they could do like yeah like the black book of uh not the for hoven movie the reign of terror yeah Anthony man they could do that kind of version of the war. Cause there was a good deal of espionage back then. Sure.
0: Um, in terms of kind of some like historical figures, um, any Emily Dickinson movie is naturally going to be Massachusetts. So a quiet passion and the far more irreverent wild nights with Emily, um, both recent good movies were there. Um, Little Little Women, again, it's not quite like historical, but you know it's based on her life. So any version you see is set there. The only one that really shot there is the recent Gerwig one. Gerwig is here for the authenticity. Um, Apparently the 90s one was mostly in Canada, again, with stupid Canada coming in. And it's like- And we love Canada
1: on this podcast.
0: (laughs) Sure. But like as someone who grew up in Massachusetts, like watching the most recent Little Women, like obviously I loved the movie on its own merits, but I feel like it really captures the aesthetic- of that um and the locations really help with that. Um also I don't know if this counts as like historical. It's like historical adjacent. Massachusetts has Salem. So there is the whole like witch trial element. So Hocus Pocus set there, shot there. Um, I realize again, Hocus Pocus is not a historical film, but I didn't really mm-hmm. know where else to put it. Um, they they shot the sequel in Rhode Island though. So that's lame. Um, any version of the Crucible you see, it's set there. Um, the Rob Zombie movie *Lords of Salem* set their shot there. <laughs> um, in more recent history, um, *Malcolm X*. Malcolm X is from Boston, um, but they didn't shoot any in Boston. I kind of feel like if Spike Lee like leaves like the city of New York, he like can't breathe anymore. Like we, he needs to be there in order to live. So yeah, all shot in New York. Um, *Spotlight*. Spotlight is a very good Massachusetts movie where I respect they are not trying to do accidents. <laughs> they
2: are a little bit. Yeah. Michael Keaton's putting Michael Keaton
0: is doing it, but it's also like that is a much more like white collar Massachusetts yeah. movie, and it's like it is a city that because of the colleges it attracts people from all over. Like if you meet people who live in Boston, they're probably not from there unless you're you know in Southie um, and in very recent history. Um, we had the, the double header of Boston marathon bombing movies. So you had, um, Patriot's day and stronger, stronger kind of dealing more with the aftermath, um, real assortment of accents go running through those. But, um, I also, I can't remember if they address this in the movie, but this is something I knew watching it that I don't know if everybody knows Patriot's day is a holiday in Massachusetts. It's a holiday on which the Boston marathon occurs and I'm like, if you don't know that, the title of this movie sounds insane.
2: Yeah, but it's also like, if you're already there for Peter Berg, Mark Wahlberg shit, yeah. you're like, yeah, Patriot's Day, fuck
1: yeah. But I feel like I learned that fact when the bombing happened. I feel like okay, but I, I don't know right, if everyone yeah. else did. But I feel like I knew that by the time I saw the movie.
0: Okay, fair. I again, I, I
1: from yeah.
0: I think A, I didn't ridiculous
1: even... movie by the way. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's ridiculous. I did. Yeah, it's got some good sequences in it. But uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, Peter, Peter Berg. Is not he can assemble uh, a picture, yeah, yeah, but it's it's just it's so ridiculous, yeah. Uh, Mark Waller went around and I don't know reconstructing the the, <laughs> the 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 scene, and and then yeah, and then the shootout where they actually capture the bomber is insane. It's I think it's one of those great sequences, but it's like, what did this like this movie about this horrible American tragedy turned into a, a full on? like Michael Bay picture. Like <laughs> flip, there's like a cop SUV that like gets blown up and flips in the air. I don't remember this, but no, I'll take your word. That's
0: maybe some, some artistic Liberty for sure. But yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, that was a, a crazy time. Cause like the bomber was like running through the suburbs. He was like on the loose throughout the suburbs. And I was like texting my family being like, are you okay? Like mm. the entire state was on high alert. It was like a very weird time. Our is this director-actor combo the most nuanced choice to portray these events? No, but it's what we got. <laughs> um, so I'd say that's my kind of historical true story well, component.
1: That is actually my next category as Perfect.
0: well.
1: Um you've got um early scenes um of What's Love Got to Do with It uh uh take place in St. Louis because Ike Turner is, is from St. Louis. Um uh tina turner i can't remember she the movie starts in is it mississippi or i think it's mississippi small town mississippi i don't remember but then she as a young girl moves with her family to st louis that's where she meets ike turner all that stuff uh is there i think some of it was shot there um i'm not sure um really but then now we get to the movie that i think is the best st louis movie because it's wow. just yeah. a great it's a great movie um uh, Steven Soderbergh's King of the Hill. Uh, oh, i is... still not seen. Oh, okay. Well, anytime you want to borrow the Blu ray, when you bring me back my misery I... Blu ray, I'll leave the legend. I blind bought the Blu ray <laughs> of King of the Hill many years ago and have yet to watch it. Um, but it's based on the autobiography of uh, a, a real, a, the memoir, I guess, a Real and the Guru guy, A.E. Hotchner, about his childhood uh, living in a, a kind of tenement slum, I guess, in 19. Uh, 19- 10 19 no it's 1930 oh yeah it's the depression that's right yeah uh depression era uh st louis it's a really great movie um and uh, even though it takes place during the depression it actually i think is the rare st louis movie to actually capture what i think st louisans like think of as their city as being like this historic place you know with like the old cobblestone streets and and um row houses and, and and stuff. Um the the stuff that St. Louisans, I think, who are proud of their city like, uh King of the Hill kind of actually brings back to life. Uh and it's just a great movie. Well, there's uh, we no a, sorry, I had one more I, oh. I had one more historical one. I almost forgot it because I haven't actually seen this movie. Okay. <laughs> and this is much more recent history, but this is actually it connects me and Julie here. Huh? Okay. Fever Pitch. Okay. Because they had to rewrite and reshoot the end of that movie because the Boston Red Sox won the world series, which they weren't supposed to do. The whole premise of the movie is that he's a fan of a team that are perennial losers. They had to change the ending and, um, the team that the Boston Red Sox beat in the world series were the St. Louis Cardinals. And they, I believe they won in St. Louis. And so, um, they shot, I I think, uh, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, like, were at that game and shot like them celebrating in character, uh, whereas Jimmy Fallon was probably also really celebrating um, uh, in in St. Louis. So that's that's another of more recent history. Uh,
0: I mean, movie. you'd think if you could rely on the Red Sox to do one thing, it would be yeah. lose. But then they got good. Yeah, <laughs> they had the audacity to get good.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah, there's no history in Portland. So my <laughs> next category is a real uh, beer off track. Um, there's just a lot of weird people in Oregon. <laughs> and there's a lot of films that tap into that energy. Um, most notably, probably One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is certainly full of its share of characters. Um, it's based on a book by Ken Kesey, who actually wrote. Uh, the book is also set in Oregon, but he wrote. Based on his experiences working at a facility in California, but he is from Oregon, so it all kind of comes back to there. Um, and then Jack Nicholson actually made a couple of movies before One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that shot at least partially in Oregon. Um, Five Easy Pieces is the more famous of the two. Uh, pretty much everything after he leaves California kind of goes back to visit um, his family. All that's in Oregon. Um, and certainly kind of points to a sort of like outsider, uneasy character of which Oregon is filled. Um, and then the other Jack knows movie is one he directed drive, he said, um, which shot at some Oregon school and kind of like gets at a sort of element of counterculture education that proliferates throughout the, uh, greater Portland area and well into the college town suburbs. Um, and kind of on, along those lines, an excellent Elliot Gould uh, counterculture movie from 1970 called Getting Straight, where Elliot Gould, it's not actually set in Oregon. it does It's not set anywhere. It's just some fictional college, university. But uh, the title refers to Elliot Gould trying to leave behind his kind of counterculture ways and trying to just be a regular straighthead professor, but slowly getting sucked back into the, the uh, revolutionary scene of the late 60s uh it's elliot Gould. one of his elliot gouldiest is very uh a lot of use ge- that as an
0: adjective <laughs> hell yeah a <laughs> lot of
2: a lot of yelling and a lot of uh, you know very broad gesturing a lot of big speeches um but very very cool energy um green room the recent thriller about uh nazis um points to the unfortunate white supremacist angle of Oregon weirdos that hang out on the fringes and occasionally invade the city and get into fights with the leftists. That's very recent Portland history. Um, But yeah, Oregon does have an unfortunate history and some would argue, and I think correctly, very much present of uh, white supremacy um, that still lingers in the uh, shadows. So Green Room was right to set its action there. Um, The Aaron Katz uh, detective lackadaisical movie cold weather is a very very cool portland movie um very accurately titled as julie can attest from our year of living in portland and not and rightfully not being able to take its persistent (laughs) rain um it's i don't think it's the most successful movie but i I think it is a really solid uh portrait of portland and uh it kind of gets at um something patten oswalt said when he was in town to host a screening i think it was of the Fan or whatever, big fan, whatever the big hell. Big fan, it. yeah. Yeah. He hosts a screening of Big Fan in Portland. And he was like, Portland is a city that just needs like a big motivation bomb dropped on it. Like, <laughs> I, I was walking down the street and it, somebody couldn't even be motivated to cross the sidewalk. They just saw that the s- sign was already flashing there. Like, oh, I'll get the next one. <laughs> and cold weather is kind of about a guy who tries to be a detective, but as is typical of the portland outsider lacks the motivation to be a proper one um (laughs) so definitely worth mentioning
1: um real quick bit of portland history that i think i learned from um an episode of no reservations than they Bourdain. sure um you probably went there the term to get shanghaied comes from yeah that does come from portland
2: Yeah, Um, the uh, so Portland, this this is an interesting bit of history that they unfortunately, to my knowledge, haven't made a movie about, although I think it factors in pig because the tunnels in pig are these same tunnels, I believe. Um, There's a whole network of tunnels underground Portland that uh, used to be used when they would get sailors drunk and just take them under the bar, ship them through the tunnels and uh throw them on a boat and suddenly they were a crew in a boat <laughs>
1: and uh and the idea is they'd wake up on their way to shanghai and that's yeah. what i meant to get to be Shanghai'd. Yeah.
0: yeah um yeah so i have a bit of a grab bag next there are some like Massachusetts movies i just couldn't fit into anything else um I have a couple of movies that I really like that is the rare movie about like just nice people leading nice lives in Boston, <laughs> which I honestly feel like is so rare. Um, one is next stop wonderland, which is, I Oh, think, uh, like
1: Brad Anderson.
0: Yeah. And I think he's a, a local, but I think it's yeah, like 99 or 2000. It's like just a rom-com. It's just, yeah. just this nice movie about like hope Davis falling in love. And it like shows the city in a positive light, but also like, it is very Boston. It's not just like we're in some anonymous place. It's like, and I remember watching it and being like, "Oh, there can be this. Like, we're allowed to have this." Did
2: they shoot? Was that one that has parts of the aquarium?
0: I think there's the yes. aquarium. I know there's a lot on the on the the blue line. I yeah. think.
2: Yeah. Well, that would be the aquarium. Sure. So yeah.
0: But yeah, we watched that together. Very yeah. very pleasant Boston movie. Yeah. Um, another very pleasant Boston movie is uh, Between the Lines, which is from the 70s. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's about a group of journalists working at like an alternative newspaper. Um, it has a great ensemble cast with Jeff Goldblum. And again, it like shows the city. But it's just like this is this is a city where people live and have normal lives and aren't just like killing people in South <laughs> But <laughs> that's,
1: a, that's I really love that movie. Yeah, yeah it's lines. pretty terrific. And it has an amazing cast, including a very young Bruno Kirby. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, it's like, because there's like a hipster, like before we use that term, it's like a hip alt weekly. And he's like the poser who wants to write for them basically. And he writes something at one point that I think of all the times. It's so funny where he writes, like, if you're like me, you're a big fan of enamel pins. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, But yeah, very charming movie. Highly recommend. Um. Less charming, but still a quality picture. Unsane. (laughs) Unsane is a Boston movie. Um, I mean, a lot of it is set in an asylum, but before it is, it is in Boston. Um, I think that's one of his iPhone movies, right? Yeah. I think he shoots the city in a very interesting way where like Boston does have a lot of like skyscrapers and tall buildings and he shoots Claire Foy, like against them in such a way that she looks very like small and terrified. Mm. So that's kind of interesting. Um, The recent movie pieces of a woman, which I did not care for says it's in Boston. It is very Canada. I am watching this movie and I'm like, this is the most Canadian thing I've ever seen. Get out of here. (laughs) I don't even know why they said it in Boston. Like why can't uh, it just be Canada? Good question. I'm not sure. They, there seemed to be no reason it couldn't just be Canada, except maybe they have better health care.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that would factor in.
0: Um, uh, Ted and Ted too. Got to mention those. Um, you know, I think a lot of again they shot a lot in Canada, but um, yeah, obviously, very mm-hmm. Boston has Tom Brady in the second one, etc. Um, Mermaids. We actually watched that recently because of Natalie's recommendation. Um, wow. that's. Shot all over Massachusetts. That's set in the 60s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, very kind of charming small town vibes. Um, the Verdict, that was another one that shot all over Boston. Um, I think Boston is playing itself. Um,
1: and that's another one where you don't have Paul Newman doing, like, he's not trying to no. pack the car.
0: He, <laughs> Paul Newman at no point packs the car. Um, I think the,
1: the Coens really wrought a lot of, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, actors who have to like meet with a uh, I like a, coach. A, a dialect coach to like talk about to talk like, well, how, how would I talk if I'm from Tallahassee as opposed to Jacksonville? Like, <laughs> I think the Coens are ultimately to blame for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I think it is like the other thing about the Boston accent is it's very tied to class. Like people have asked me, they're like, why don't you have a Boston accent? And I'm like, because I didn't come from one of the towns that has it. Like, it really does have a lot to do with money. I grew up in a very rich suburb. Um, my parents both used to have it. Went to college, moved to the suburbs, lost it. Mm. Notably, one of um, my mom's sisters who did not go to college and stayed in the city still has it. It's like very class driven. So, like,
1: well, that comes plays, up in the de- in the Departed. Mark Wahlberg says yeah. something about like Leonardo DiCaprio as a kid of a divorce as a kid. He like, he's like, I bet you had one accent when you were with your mom and one accent when you were with your dad. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I Paul Newman, he's like a lawyer, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's and a drunk. Yeah. So he's fancy. He doesn't have it. Right. Um, also recent best picture winner, Coda. That was uh, in Gloucester um, there because they're a fishing family in that shot there. Um, also another like charming movie guy and Madeline on a park bench. So there That's is a Damien weird.
1: Chazelle? Yeah. Yes.
0: There is a weird Damien Chazelle erasure where people think whiplash is his first movie. It's not. His first movie was in 2009. He started it as a college thesis and, um, and then it kind of morphed into its own thing. Imagine if La La Land was filmed in Boston on grainy uh, black and white film stock for no money. That's mm-hmm. what it is and it's very charming. It's very charming. Um sure, I'd there's like it. yeah, there's a lot of like tap dancing and like playing jazz. And it's just very like immersed in the city. Yeah. Um, I was like watching the trailer again today and be like, Oh yeah, they are. Cause they were also, I think shooting it like Verite. Like they had no permits probably.
2: Yeah. Cause they shoot stuff on the T and I can't imagine. Oh no. Yeah. It's
0: just like all over in the parks and it's like just very immersed cause he was going to Harvard at the time. Um, so that is very charming. Um, knives out is set in Massachusetts. They, it shot there as well, but it's just like in a house. So I'm like, okay, sure. Um, in a, a kind of Cape Cod subset, Cape Cod Martha's Vineyard, um, Jaws, Jaws shot oh, Martha's right. Vineyard. It's supposed to be vaguely New England. Um, the Ghost Rider. Um,
2: uh, you bumped the microphone. I bumped
0: the microphone. Okay. Okay. Um, um they shot
1: that's roman Polanski's the ghost writer yeah
0: yes sorry not the nick
1: cage motorcycle no. Flaming yeah. school um,
0: it's set in martha's vineyard but they shot it in europe because he cannot legally enter the united states um oh why what what happened oh, oh my gosh you you didn't hear <laughs> um, lost his
2: passport years yeah, ago It's Never just a administrative
0: nightmare um there's also a movie from the 50s called Walk East on Beacon. And I'm saying that because there's an exclamation point at the end. That was like <laughs> one of those early procedurals where like half of the movie is just like voiceover explaining how the FBI works. Um, but that's another one. Where it's very interesting to see, like a 50s view of Boston, because it looks the same. Boston is an old city that just yeah. like looks the same for a long time in a lot of ways. Um, the Kevin James motion picture zookeeper filmed at the Franklin <laughs> Park Zoo in the suburbs of massachusetts and apparently a giraffe died Aww. Aww. during the production so r.i.p to the giraffe um the thomas crown affair the original thomas crown affair shot in boston set in boston
1: another movie and, scott and i talked about last week somehow oh yeah. really most
2: i've thought about the thomas crown affair in quite some time <laughs> because
1: i brought up the weird we were talking about rollerball and i brought up the weird coincidence that john mctiernan has remade two different Norman norman jewism movies
0: that is weird um and then a movie scott can speak to you better than me but night and day that's night with a k
2: i mean i saw it 10 years ago but yes the beginning of the film does take place in boston
0: <laughs> well i know you're just a big night and day stan well so. yeah
2: night and day is fantastic and everybody should see it it's probably the best thing uh james mangle's done but you know it's a shallow pool there too
1: um, um well I, I guess i'm next yeah, going finish. so i only have two movies left which i'm loosely categorizing as they shot there because the novel is set there (laughs) um so so one is leaving st louis it's not called leaving st louis but leaving the (laughs) st louis area gone girl is a movie or as st louisans uh, would say got, got gone girl is a movie that mostly takes place in cape Girardeau, missouri and then part of it is at the lake of the ozarks as well i think that's where neil patrick harris's lake house is supposed to be um but um yeah, mostly uh, in in Cape Girardeau, and they did shoot uh, down in that area. Cape Girardeau um, is uh, where both my mom and my sister went to college. Hmm. Southeast Missouri State is there. They have a good nursing school. Both mom and my sister went there. And the other one, I don't know how much of it actually shot there because only very, a very small part of the movie takes place um, actually just outside of St. Louis and St. Charles, but Manhunter. Hmm. Because Thomas Harris is in... in in um, Thomas Harris's novel, uh, The Tooth Fairy is based in St. Louis. Um, the novel, actually, speaking of hockey teams, that there's like a conversation about one of his earliest conversations with the, uh, oh, why am I forgetting her name? Uh, the blind woman that he is. Oh, my God. I'm such, I consider myself like a big, like, Red Dragon fan, and I can't remember now uh you can no name. longer
0: call yourself a red dragon friend. i know Let i keep drawing a blank today. on
1: on her name but anyway one of the earliest like conversations they have is about the st louis blues who are like new at in the early they started in the late 60s um anyway so um that's i i, I don't know how much i haven't done the research to find out how much of the movie was actually shot there um or if they because there's like when william peterson goes to find the figures out who the tooth fairy is uh sorry will graham is the character that William Peterson uh we see the aforementioned Lambert airport and we definitely see like a car driving down interstate 70 um but i don't i don't know how much of the movie was shot there or if michael Mann just like sent a team out to get some like uh you know a second unit out to 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 get right. some, some shots of saint louis i don't know i haven't looked that up but um yeah, that's a uh, uh, Red Dragon is a, a big. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are happy that the Tooth Fairy is from Red <laughs> Dragon, but uh, it, that movie, that novel does have a lot of St. Louis representation. It is very specific about about that, and it also brings. I, I I to get back to to come full circle and do some more St. Louis advocacy. <laughs> one of the great scenes in Manhunter, also one of the great scenes in hannibal the tv series is when the tooth fairy uh francis Dollarhide takes i can't believe i'm forgetting her name um uh uh god damn it why anyway <laughs> uh takes her to the zoo because he has an in with like the vet at the zoo where they have sedated a lion and lets her pet a sleeping lion that's great and it but it also allows me to bring up the fact that Low key, St. Louis has one of the best zoos in the country, okay. um, and it is also, unlike all the other great zoos in the country, completely free at all times. Ooh. Hey. yeah, that is a big. That is something St. Louisans are very proud of. That did the, did the they did they kill
0: any giraffes while they yeah. made that movie? Or you you <laughs> no? I on think the
1: the 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 tiger survived. Okay. Um, or are they just but... killing
2: them routinely because they can't afford the upkeep because they're not making any money on it.
1: <laughs> Dark. Uh, um, no, it's a uh, taxpayer funded, you know, that's well, it sounds like, 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 not... like more things should be. Right. You said like uh, more things should be. And I was like, I what? said, you know, um, her name is, I almost, I almost said Rita. It's not Rita. It's Reba. That's the character. the blind character's name. Obviously. Red Dragon. Okay. Who can forget? I'm
0: glad that Beba. you came. You're at peace now. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, my last section
2: is one that I will try not to spend too much time on because I surely could, but just um, addressing the major Portland auteurs, Kelly Reichardt and Gus Van Sant, um, who have each set several of their movies as a sizable chunk of each filmography in uh, the Portland area and greater Portland area. Um, the first Kelly Reichardt movie I saw was Old Joy. And uh, I think it was 2005 movie. I'm pretty sure I saw my first year in Boston and was a very strong, like, feeling nostalgic for Portland vibes because it it shoots in a lot of landmarks that I recognized immediately. And I think the hike they do is in Forest Park. I haven't seen it since then, so I don't remember too specifically. But it's just kind of like two dudes talking about life at very different points and kind of taps in that same weirdo outsider culture that I mentioned before. Uh, her next movie, Wendy and Lucy, is more of kind of like, well, it sounds like it's more of a St. Louis movie because it's about people passing through Portland. Mm. Um, But uh, Michelle Williams is on her way to Alaska and just gets kind of waylaid in Portland for a little while and very much points to something that uh, you know it kind of came out right as the recession hit. And so there was a lot of writing around the movie about how timely it was not knowing that the recession was coming. Um, But Portland's long been a place that people pass through or wind up at because of financial constraints. I mean, that's how my dad ended up there is he moved to California from Michigan and was like, I can't vibe with California. And then just kept moving North until he ran out of money, working around in Portland. Um, so Portland has a strong history of kind of like people just kind of winding up there, a very strong working class background. And generally, one of the things that's very touching about Wendy and Lucy is the way that like, uh, people who are also about as poor as she is just kind of look out for her. And there's a lot of that kind of culture amongst uh, people in Portland uh, at, you know, kind of at or near the poverty line. Um, the one bit of history I can point to with Oregon set up settings, of course, her film Meek's Cutoff, which is about the Oregon Trail. It's probably the only film I can think of made about the Oregon Trail. Um, which is weird. Which is weird considering yeah. it's now like, a marketable nostalgia point for uh, millennials of all remembering playing the computer game. Yes. Um, but uh, solid film very much points to, well, what we all knew from playing a computer game, which is that just tough uh, tough rowing to get across the country there. Um, and then one of my favorite Kelly Record movies that almost nobody talks about is Night Moves, um, which is about uh, environmental activists who are trying to I think, blow up a dam, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like the classic, like environmentalist, hardcore move. Um, but which definitely taps into a strong sense of environmentalism that runs through, I mean, it, Portland is a very left leaning city in almost every respect, but especially environmental causes are very near and dear to leftist Portland hearts. And um, there's a lot of organizations out there kind of advocating in both, uh, you know, illegal and legal manners and, um, and it's just a really cool thriller that I wish um, got talked about more in her filmography because I think it's one of her very best. Um, and then on to Gus Van Sand, who I really could spend the entire podcast talking about in general. So I tried to keep it fairly brief, um, but from his debut film, Malanoche, uh, which was based off, I can't remember the novelist's name, but um, it was kind of a Portland underground novelist who I think, I don't know if he's self-published, but it was a very small print run of his book. Um and which he resisted Gus Van Sant adapting because he thought anything associated with movies would somehow involve too much money, even though Gus Van Sant had like the amount of money he had in his bank account to make the movie. Um, And he spent like the entire- Walt Curtis. Walt Curtis. Yeah. He spent the entire like pre-production trying to convince Walt Curtis that uh, he really was as poor as, uh, as Walt was. Weird flex. Yeah. But uh, is a really solid look at the kind of Portland- underground culture and kind of its immigrant culture, which is not uh, as widely discussed because as mentioned before, Portland is a very white city. Um, His next film drugstore cowboy was a bit bigger budget endeavor and um, definitely gets into Portland's kind of druggy scene has a lot of great kind of like vaguely abandoned Portland houses, which exist all over. Um, probably the best movie ever made about Portland is my own private Idaho, which, uh, very much gets at the way, like I said, people will both end up in Portland because they have no financial uh, opportunity to move out and kind of make their way. You know, it's about, um, hustler culture and kind of gay for pay or as best intent more accurately termed it gay for survival, um, prostitution culture, but it's also about, um, Keanu Reeves plays a rich kid who just kind of like slums it in these cultures to like gain some kind of cred and sense of authenticity and kind of break away from his family. Uh, And as someone who went to a very rich Catholic high school, there's plenty of that going around too (laughs) of like rich kids trying to kind of get some street cred going. Um, And in that sense and in in addition to just like portraying the city in a very beautiful and uh geographically pleasing way, um I I think that sense of culture is really what makes it kind of like the best movie ever made about the city. Um, even cowgirls got the blues was at least partially shot in the Oregon area but I I don't remember specifically enough where but I do think it's worth mentioning because it's definitely like as far as the uh, stereotype of kind of Portland hippie vibes it definitely taps into that and is a big reason why I really love the movie even though it's kind of like the most maligned of Gus Van Sant's uh, 90s period Uh, is kind of viewed as him going too far into his own indulgences but I'm like Those are some good indulgences, man. (laughs) Um, Elephant, his Palme d'Or winning film, shot um, at a local Portland high school. And it's not, the Portland aspect of it isn't dwelled upon too much within the context of the film. But um, there's a lot about, I mean, who's pretty much like, taking inspiration from the Columbine massacre, but there's a lot about that that transposes to most American suburbs, well, most white American suburbs throughout the country, and which is certainly true of Portland as well, just the kind of sense of alienation and, like, self-imposed exile that a lot of, you know, maladjusted teens experience, and, frankly, the certain degree of gun culture that proliferates in Oregon, like, as with most um, states that exist at kind of a vague uh rural remove uh the portland film that i probably i still think my own private Idaho is probably the best film ever made about portland but the one i really like to most is paranoid park which is one of gus van sant's best movies and one of his least discussed um it's about this kid who goes to suburban portland high school who witnesses and is kind of like indirectly responsible for this like horrible accident where a guy gets killed and kind of about the kid trying to suss out his degree of responsibility and that and where he sits um and it gets his name from this kind of like portland skate park that he's kind of like investing in the culture there and it's just a really very spot-on portrait of kind of like the way i mean i certainly remember this from growing up there of just like the time you have as a teen to do nothing and just like sit with your thoughts (laughs) and just like weird cultures that you get invested in because you just have nothing but time and um It has a really good portrait of the city's geography, a lot of kind of areas of highways that don't get shown a lot. um, And kind of also calls to mind, this is off the Gus Van Sant track, but uh, Aaron Katz's Dance Party USA, which is also about Portland suburban teens who uh, are kind of dwelling in a a degree of darkness that they're not ready to totally confront. Um, So both of those, they make an excellent pair and they're both rather short, so you could honestly watch them together. And then I should at least mention that he shot Restless there, even though it's by far his worst film. Um, and don't worry, he won't, won't get far in foot. Wasn't shot as much in Portland as I expected. There are a couple scenes that were shot there, but it's about a Portland cartoonist. Um, whose name i I? John like, Callahan? I think yeah, Callahan. Yeah. Um, that's right. Yeah, a famous Portland cartoonist who's very key to the kind of the burgeoning all weekly scene in the 80s and 90s. Um and which Gus Van Sant was, of course, perfectly uh, suited to adapting his life story and tried to get on screen for quite a while. Um, he was originally going to do it with Robin Williams in the 90s, but um, kept kind of like getting pushed off and falling through. But it's a really good movie. I, I think it's one of the more underrated his and kind of unfairly overlooked, a really good portrait of a life and the way that uh, when you get to a certain point, you start to reflect on... Your whole life in kind of a moving river. This not like a series of events, but a constant series of memories and reflections and stuff like that. And, I'm a fan of that movie too. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It um, it does a really good job of portraying the kind of Portland alt scene um, and the way that people kind of like get weird professional careers based on like, I mean, his cartoon his the John Callahan's work is not the most artistically advanced, but it kind of has this weird kernel of inspiration that Portlanders latched onto.
0: Um, I would also,
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead.
0: Um, I would say just to there's a couple more commercially minded Portland ones that neither of us have seen, which is stand by me and kindergarten (laughs) cop.
2: Yeah. Stand by me is a blind spot. Yeah. I like stand by me,
0: but we are acknowledging them and they have been acknowledged. Also, Um, uh,
2: the hunt Benicio del Toro was shot in Portland. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, I want to mention because I focus so much on St. Louis. I do want to mention a couple of the Missouri movies. I'm going to get like accused by Kansas Cityans of like ignoring Kansas City, including Watch the it. movie Kansas City, which I've never seen, but the Robert Altman movie Kansas City, uh, which is where Robert Altman is from outside hmm. of there, um, shot entirely in Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. Um, Scott Frank's The Lookout shot entirely in uh ontario california or ontario, ontario uh, canada but um takes place um um on the on the border um and then speaking of borders and speaking of history i definitely should have talked about uh angley's ride with the devil which i haven't seen since the theater but uh that is an historical civil war movie about actual um Missourians who uh missouri never seceded and never had like was uh, officially part of the Confederacy, but they nonetheless they managed to have some people who just believed so strongly in the Confederacy that they fought <laughs> on that side and ride with the devil is about them. Um, but uh I don't know. I, maybe you guys have seen ride with ride with the devil more. more Never recently. seen it. No. Okay, because I generally like Ang Lee, and I, I remember I remember not liking ride with the devil, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, I, I wanted to mention, mention those. Um, and yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Kansas city, a perfectly fine city, <laughs> obviously, but
0: <laughs> well, you're not going to stump for them. You're not going to be the tourism board for them.
1: No, that, cause that is, there is a bit of a, uh, a, a rivalry and maybe it is a bit lopsided in the way that St. Louisans are envious of Chicago. I do think Kansas city has some St. Louis envy that St. Louis and St. Louis gets all the attention and also that St. Louisans think they're better than the rest of the state, which is kind of true. Um I I have I mean it's I'm I'm I've been guilty of my life. I have learned to like say I'm from Missouri, but generally St. Louisans when they travel outside of the state, don't say they're from Missouri. They say they're from St. Louis, because I do think there is a little bit of a snobbishness. Sure. Like we don't live on farms like right. or at St. Louis and we're a real city because we still have this chip on our shoulders about the fact that St. Louis was once one of the great American cities and isn't anymore. And so I do think there's there's some uh, insecurity that leads to snobbery. You guys messed it up. You're
2: given this great opportunity. Yeah um as long as we're in the i'd be remiss if i didn't mention section just a few titles that i forgot to mention throughout the course of the episode uh, animal house shot at uh u of o um i talked about that talked about that oh free Willy, whale movie yeah solid has a great shot of pioneer car square which is kind of like the centerpiece of downtown portland that's about all I remember, aside from the part where they free Willie.
0: Does, does Willie right. go to Pioneer Courthouse? Yeah,
2: you know, <laughs> he has a whale of a time. Oh, baby.
0: <laughs> um, I actually
2: met Willie very briefly on a fourth grade field trip. Um, yeah, what was he like? Charming fella. <laughs> uh, Lean on Pete kind of also points to some of the uh, Portland outsider-ness. Yeah. And uh, Thumbsucker, kind of a forgotten mid-aughts
1: uh, indie Maladjusted teen movie but decent movie and then i was gonna say i saw it and then i realized i was thinking of tadpole um, <laughs> yeah because there were know, a lot of those it's really time. easy to get these mixed up <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um
2: and then in the technically shot in portland but uh obviously not set there. phase portland has a strong stop motion scene um dating back to will vinton studios who did like the uh california raisins commercials and stuff like that and more recently and probably more artistically successfully, the like movies are shot there because Travis Knight is uh, Phil Knight's son, I believe. Um, and right. Phil Knight, founder of Nike, right. Borland found Nike there, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Oh, you just made me realize another movie because I wasn't even thinking about documentaries. Oh, sure. Right. Um, Michael Moore's the big one where he uh, uses his book tour as an excuse to go to a bunch of different corporate headquarters and try to, he tries to pull mini Roger and me's like all these different places. <laughs> and, um, I think it's Monsanto. Cause is, cause I know Monsanto is, or at least at the time was headquartered in St. Louis, but also so was TWA. But I think it was Monsanto seems like a more of a Michael Moore tar- target. Um, so I think he tries to go to the Monsanto headquarters in downtown St. Louis, uh, in the big one. I completely forgot about, I didn't even think about documentaries. Does he get
2: very far into any of these? It seems very repetitive. Just getting turned (laughs) away at the door.
1: But I don't know. He he was. I mean, he was uh, riding high at that time, and yeah. uh, So so. uh, I I do remember that movie being kind of funny.
2: No, I'm sure. I mean, he's always funny. Like, yeah, he's always got a strong wit about him. Um,
0: for Portland, I do want to mention we did in the. In the spirit of um, being comprehensive, we did watch an odd little curio this weekend um, called Portland Exposé, which is from 1957. Um, and it's like you don't hear much about Portland from like the middle of the century. So I was just like, I need to know. Um, they shot it on location, um, which is kind of interesting. And what I found funniest is that in the opening narration, they have to like explain what Portland is. Yeah. They were just like, Portland is a city in the Pacific Northwest with beautiful parks. And but then the movie's about a corruption scandal. So then they're like, but it's so fucked up with corruption.
2: But then at the end, they're like, but it's also pretty okay too.
0: Yeah, literally at the end, they go, but it's still a nice place to raise a family.
2: Yeah, it does have a good shot of Union Station, which is very iconic if you know Portland.
0: Yeah, but I I just like the idea that like Portland had to be explained at the time
2: um i also see you put i love trouble on your list i don't remember that being set in yes, time. it's
0: not so okay. um we talked about this i think on, on the TCM, tcm episode it's set mostly in la it was like a weird little okay. programmer 40s noir they go to portland for like five minutes they do right. not go outside like but they say they are in portland which again for a movie set in 1948 that jumped out to me because it just like culturally did not have as much of like a, a, mm-hmm. a handprint yeah. at the time so they're like we're in portland now and i'm like if you say so but okay cool
2: I mean, it's worth mentioning just because i love trouble kicks ass
0: it does kick ass i think they just showed it on tcm actually if you um have the app it's you probably, can probably too
2: late by the time this episode goes up
0: alas mm. but if you can if you can find it um highly recommended um i have a few that are in the category of shot in massachusetts but it's supposed to be somewhere else or it's never addressed um some backstory to that is around 2007-2008 The tax incentive program is going strong. We're all happy. There was talk of building a movie studio in Plymouth, as in like Plymouth Rock Pilgrims. Mm -hmm. They were going to call it Plymouth Rock Studios. They literally, I think, made a giant sign that said Hollywood East that looked like the Hollywood (laughs) sign. And they were going to like it. So being in film school at the time, every family gathering my family, who does not want me to move away, gets in my face and goes like, do you know they're building this studio right here? You can be in the biz, but be near your family. And I'm like, guys, this isn't going to work. This is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Because like, to me, it was just a total repetition of like how Hollywood started, which is like, The very, very early days of silent cinema were in New York and New Jersey. And then they're like, oh, the weather's bad here. Let's go where it isn't bad. So I was like, are you telling me that 100 years have passed and y'all forgot about weather? We just forgot. We just forgot weather. Um, (laughs) Long story short, they never built that damn studio. But in anticipation there and with the tax incentives, there was this big surge kind of at that time. Um, I think it's a good place to shoot. Oh, now you bumped the microphone. It's uh, a good place to shoot because they have the tax incentives, but also it just, it can look like just any town USA. Um, But also there's not culture war stuff. Like a lot of the other filming hubs like Georgia and North Carolina. Now you're getting into like abortion bans. Massachusetts is just like, we're cool, baby. We're not going to be weird. Come shoot here. Um, So in terms of kind of that mid odds boom, um, the Dane Cook movie, My Best Friend's Girl.
1: Oh God, I saw it. I mention
0: it only because I saw it filming and that yeah. was very exciting at the time. Um, the Bruce Willis movie, Surrogates. Um, I think that's in some weird random uh, future dystopia, but it shot a few, okay. a few blocks from my apartment. So that was exciting. Um, the remake of The Women um, was set in oh, Connecticut. I
1: forgot that existed. There.
0: Uh, exactly. Um,
1: yeah. There's a lot Never messing. of... Deborah Messing. Messing, I like oh. Messing,
0: Meg Ryan. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Massachusetts subbing for New York, which again it, you mentioned kind of a one way rivalry. There is that kind of thing because Boston was kind of like the East Coast hub for many many years until New York kind of usurped it. Mm. Um, so I think it is that same, and plus the sports rivalry. So yeah, um, the women is Connecticut. Um, Obviously, David O. Russell shot the fighter in Boston. It's supposed to be Boston. He also shot American Hustle and Joy in Massachusetts, but they're subbing for the tri-state area. Um, The Witches of Eastwick shot there, but it's supposed to be Rhode Island. Okay. Um, The Pink Panther 2. um, That was another one in that 2008 boom. Yeah, these movies were not good. I never said they were good. Um, The Proposal with um, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds... Actual location, unspecified. Yeah, Massachusetts is a great place to shoot your movie if it just takes place nowhere. Um, I also have to give a shout out to my actual hometown, my town of Sudbury, Massachusetts, a completely nondescript town of about 17,000 people, most notable for being the home to America's ass himself, Chris Evans It's from my hometown. Um, But we have a gorgeous church that is from the 1700s. It is this big, beautiful, white church. That both Ghosts of Girlfriends Past and The Invention of Lying <laughs> utilized. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Wait,
1: it's, oh, yeah. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past.
0: Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Garner. Oh,
1: what, oh, that's No, that's like 2007.
0: It's 2008, I think.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I, a different movie. I
0: seem to be dredging up movies that are deeply forgotten by everyone, which is, you know, I'm not saying okay. these are all hits. <laughs>
1: I was th- okay, I was gonna say something. I was I was gonna say that the first time I when I first moved to Los Angeles, I walked over to the Chinese uh, to see like a movie premiere like red carpet and stuff. Um and I thought it was Ghost of Girlfriend's Past, but it was a different ghost based romantic comedy. Two thousand five's just like heaven.
0: Oh okay. sure. Okay, can't speak to yeah. that. Um, but yeah, so we, we never built Plymouth Rock Studios, RIP, but the tax incentives. Yeah, I continue-
1: sorry. I looked, I looked it up. They had to license the use of the Hollywood sign from yeah. the Hollywood Cham- Chamber of Commerce. Um, the te- a temporary installation of the sign standing five feet tall and 45 feet across at the Plymouth Courthouse was unveiled in July, 2008, but was quickly removed after various groups objected.
0: Yep. <laughs> it didn't work out, folks. Um, <laughs> But yeah, some more recent ones, the movie Labor Day shot in Massachusetts. Um, oh, yeah. I, I like don't think movie. it's ever addressed where they are. Um, but that's, so we look, got
1: the Jason Reitman connection
0: here. Jason Reitman connection. Uh, that up did. in the
1: air, Labor Day.
0: Um, don't Look Up, apparently shot mostly in Massachusetts, subbing for New York. Okay. Sorry, had to mention it. Um, uh, Sound of Metal shot all over uh, Massachusetts oh. without mentioning it. Um, I had this theory that like, you know, obviously the easy move would be to shoot these movies in L.A., but L.A. has palm trees and people will see the palm trees and be like, this isn't America. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: I'm just like, they need somewhere without palm trees. And Massachusetts yeah. works. It doesn't um, have palm trees. It doesn't have palm trees. Also, um, the tender bar from last year. I So I heard about this movie. I heard that it shot in Massachusetts and it starred Ben Affleck. I just assumed it was set there. It's not. It's set in New York. I felt betrayed. <laughs> You can't um, shoot in Massachusetts with an Athlete and set it in New York. You just can't.
1: You mentioned, um, your, your hometown of Sudbury being the home of Chris Evans. Now I am, um, from St. Louis officially is where I was born is where I lived until I was like two. And my parents moved first to the South suburbs and then to the West suburbs. So I'm not going to name all the St. Louis celebrities. There are a lot of celebrities from the St. Louis area, but I was, I, mean, mostly... I think you've
0: named them all on this podcast throughout yeah. the years. Whatever yes, they
1: I come up. Um, But I I mostly grew up in a suburb of St. Louis called Baldwin, Missouri. Very small. Um, uh, And that is, I only recently learned this, that is the home of Evan Peters. Evan Peters is from Baldwin. All right. He went to a different high school than I did. Also, he's younger than I. Um, But anyway, I think we did it. I think we're... We're done, yeah. right? We exhausted I, I would lists? just
0: like—I would love to quickly ask a hypothetical question. Okay. So we've all—we've all aired some grievances, maybe, about how our home states have been depicted. If you could make, like, fantasy, make, like, in your wildest imagination, what kind of, like, home state movie would you like to see that does not exist at present?
2: I'm not that creative on the fly. Well, you
0: mentioned yeah. the the Shanghai tunnel thing.
2: That's true. I don't know how much of a movie there is to make of that, though. That would still be set in Portland. I think kind of pig was the right way to take it because you get the tunnels in there and you get a sense of the history without just a series of men being drunkenly hoodwinked into going out to sea. (laughs) I was trying to figure out in Ghosts and Girlfriends
0: Past, is it just a bunch of dead girlfriends? Um I don't think they're dead. I think the premise is it's loosely borrowed from a Christmas carol. Right. But I don't think they're I don't think they're dead. You're looking at the synopsis. Is it not made clear?
2: No, because it is like ghosts show up and they're all of his past girlfriends, but at no point is like this is how they died. <laughs> this this guy just cursed.
0: <laughs> that's interesting because obviously like in a Christmas carol, like a lot of the ghosts they aren't like literal, right? Like they're they don't correspond to actual people. These
1: do. Right. I figured out that much.
0: So that is an interesting complication that I cannot speak to.
1: What if that's the twist of the movie is that he's a serial killer? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So here's my um, pitch is that we okay. remake a dark gritty crime version <laughs> of Ghosts of Girlfriends past. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I guess I would like to see a movie about um, music in St. Louis. Sure. Um blues into rock and roll but of course the two biggest figures in rock and roll from st louis ike turner and chuck berry are both pretty problematic in, in, in their own ways um but i guess you i mean what's love got to do with it did get to some of that um sure. yeah i don't know okay. that's off the fly, off the top of my head that's sure that's yeah. what I, can I, I
0: didn't submit that question in advance sorry i caught you off yeah. guard but but dare to dream i guess
1: yeah, I'm trying to think what uh, what else happened.
0: <laughs> what else ever happened in St. Louis? But like,
1: that isn't like, because it also like the Dred Scott case.
0: But I don't even mean it doesn't St. have to be a true story. It could just be like yeah. a, a yeah. movie where St. Louis looks pleasant.
2: I've got a new pitch a romantic comedy about rival food cart owners, because Portland has a strong food cart scene. Okay. Ideally, it would probably have to be set ten years ago because the food cart scene was much stronger then and probably arguably less regulated. But um, I'm always looking for more romantic comedy. so there we go.
1: Oh, I'm gonna I, okay. I'm gonna say an entire movie inspired by the Wilco song "Heavy Metal Drummer" uh, because uh, Jeff Tweedy is from Illinois, but near St. Louis, and the opening lines of that song are. I sincerely miss the heavy metal bands we used to go see on the landing in the summer. And the landing is what we refer to, uh, how we refer to the sort of row of bars and nightclubs and restaurants that's sort of right by the river. It's LeCleed's Landing where Pierre LeCleed, the Frenchman who sort of like established St. Louis, landed uh, the Mississippi River. So I'm going to say a movie adaptation of the song Heavy Metal Drummer. That's what I... All right. That's what I want.
0: I, I think um, if we can figure um, out oh, how to but there's crack- also
1: the, the, we can make a horror movie about the Lemp Brewery, which is uh, 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 a haunted mansion and, and brewery. Yeah, we, we haven't talked about, like, St. Louis's, we haven't talked about Mark Twain. We haven't talked about uh, Anheuser-Busch. Um uh, you know the the lifeblood of right the of the red blooded American male Budweiser and Bud Light all, so all come from hearing, St. Louis.
0: What I'm hearing is that you want to produce kind of a waiting for Guffman esque, like summarizing the entire history of the city yeah. cinematic <laughs> extravaganza. Is yeah, that what I'm all, hearing?
1: All all at once, yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
0: I would love if they can figure out how to make the Revolutionary War interesting. I'm like, guys, this is a major historical event. Surely yeah. there's something. Surely. I think your espionage
2: yeah. pitch is the way to go. He Certainly doesn't... can't stand those
1: battlefields. Because
0: they had that show, that show oh, Turn right. or whatever.
1: With the uh, mm-hmm. with uh, you know? Billy Elliot, right? Look, yeah.
0: I said his real name first, but sure, yes, he was <laughs> Billy Elliot also.
1: All right. Um, I, now we're just like, our wheels are <laughs> spinning. So let's, uh, let's wrap it up right all right uh you can find uh me at battleship pretension.com there should be movie reviews there i'm kind of swamped right now um but that's generally where movie reviews appear is at battleship pretension.com you can email me at david at battleship pretension.com email tyler at tyler at battleship pretension.com i don't think he's checking his email right now but he might be i don't know um And you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Oh, and check out my other podcast, The One Where I Met Your Mother. My uh, wife and I watch an episode of Friends and an episode of How I Met Your Mother every week. Except right now where we are, we're at the end of season three. And I'm guessing because of the writer's strike, there are only 20 episodes of How I Met Your Mother in season three. And there are 25 episodes of Friends, which means we have five episodes of Friends and Know How I Met Your Mother. So, of course, we do what we do whenever that happens. At the end of every season, we watch at random an episode of the great uh, and and lamented Food Network series, Mystery Diners.
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> appreciate the pivot yeah, it's pretty impressive yeah. that they still managed to get 20 episodes out in the writer's strike yeah Lost was doing oh, yeah. like 9 but well, yeah, is that true I feel like no, they did more than that they did, I think they did like, they did like 15 16. or 16
1: yeah yeah Uh Breaking Bad only did 7 but they obviously had a shorter order to yeah. work with to begin with but I think Veronica Mars also got 18 to 20 episodes in its last yeah, season yeah they right? did <laughs> All right, so uh let's go Julie next. Where where can people find you?
0: Um I'm on Twitter at sesno says that's S-E-S-N-O underscore S-A-Y-S. Um, I'm also in therapy. Like your girl is working shit out. Like, highly recommend. Um, also I'm not affiliated with them. I know a lot of people say therapy is too expensive. You're right, it is. Um, but there's a website called Open Path Collective where you can get Um, It's therapists from all over the country and you can get appointments um, for between 30 to $60 a session. So um, I'm not affiliated with them. I don't have a discount code. I'm sorry. I just think that's a cool resource that you should check out if you want to go to therapy, but um, money is a concern.
2: Uh, I am on Twitter at rail of tomorrow. If you request to follow me, I might see it. I recently learned that you can see it. Um, and on Letterboxd, um, catching up with some 2022 movies. Julie and I have been to the Lemley NoHo 7, a in four nights in a row, trying to catch up on the recent cinema. Um, and well, you got to get
1: it in while you can, because apparently that that theater is not long for this world. No, Wait, the what? Noho specifically? Yeah. This Why? Is, it's the, the writing's kind of been on the wall for a while, because uh, when the new owners bought it, they... Uh, contractually only had to continue letting a theater be in that space for a certain amount of time, and I think that time is up in the spring, and apparently uh, yeah, they're going to build more luxury apartments. Of course they are. Would it
0: help if we went there four times a day?
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe. We'll do anything. I don't think you
2: can anymore. They're only like three show times a day. Okay,
0: three times a day. That's
2: uh, that's a damn shame. But they said the same thing about the Pasadena, only to kick Lemley out and invite Landmark in. So I'm constantly you yeah. flux about, uh, the state and then like the Lumiere Music Hall was supposed to get kicked out, but they're like, hell no, we're staying. And they seem to have just like staked it out and are defending their territory with muskets or something. I don't know what's
1: going on. The, I and love the musical. They seem- have the weirdest schedule. Cause yeah. they like, they have a different movie for every slot of the day. So they're currently showing like 15 movies. Yeah. They have three <laughs> screens, but they just show <laughs> Show each one one time a day. I know. It's a wild scene
2: out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's one of the only LA theaters that's showing dead for a dollar this weekend. So I might end up there. Um, what was happening? Yeah. Letterboxd. Uh, I got some catching up to you on my capsule reviews of the recent cinema.
1: All right. Well, um, thank you guys for, well, Julie, thank you for co-hosting. Scott, thank you for being Our here. Pleasure. Um, Thank you at home for listening.
0: We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.